When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Metal Mike, and in this episode, I'm joined by Midnight City singer Rob Wild, and we share our top 10 hair metal albums of 1987. Wow, 1987, what a year. We go through it all, and there's all kinds of nostalgic sound bites to refresh your memory of an epic year from hair metal's glorious past. Check it out. Rob, welcome back to the 80s glam metal cast, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Mike. Thanks for having me back on your show, dude. Hey, man. It's my pleasure. I always enjoy talking 80s hair metal with you. <laughs> Likewise, Mike. Likewise. <laughs> so let's get everybody up to speed uh, to Midnight City. You guys put out a killer album this year, It You Can't Scratch. And like I said, I love it. I recommend all people, if you love 80s Kiss, uh, Poison, Trickster, all that kind of stuff, this is right in line with that kind of music, man. It's killer stuff. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. You, some good references there, because that's kind of, uh, you know, the whole album's based on those type of bands, you know, so if you haven't checked it out, like, make sure you do. But um, yeah, the album came out in June, and we've had incredible reviews for the, for the album, to be honest with you. It's probably the best reviewed album that, we, that we've had so far, and uh, the response has just been uh, phenomenal. So um, yeah, the album came out in June. We did uh, two, uh, sorry, three um, singles and, and music videos prior to the album coming out. Let's see what else. We, we toured the UK in August. We did a, a really successful tour of the UK. Um, and we also, we, we played a, we played a lot this year. We played a lot of shows, uh, additional shows, um, you know, just headline shows on our own. We played uh, a, a ton of festivals. So it's, it's been great. It's been, uh, it's, you know, so far so good in terms of, of this album. And, uh, you know, I've also been playing uh, some solo acoustic shows and I've played a couple of festivals with Tiger Tales and, God, uh, been writing for some other artists and do some session work. So it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's actually been a been a really busy year this year. So uh, yeah, it's been a good one. Oh, that's great to hear because we all know like 2020 was kind of a bust. So glad to hear that. You know, you've been busy and, and very active uh, this year. That's great. Yeah, it was. I mean, it started off this year was was pretty bad. You know, the the, the first kind of couple of months of the year. That's actually why one of the reasons, because the album was actually supposed to be out in March, but uh, our record label basically said with, you know, the way things were, there's no point in putting out an album unless you can get out and tour and stuff. So uh, that's why it was it, it kind of pushed back to June. And it was kind of around the summer here in the UK where kind of things opened up a little bit and, you know, we were then able to go out and play shows. So it all made sense, you know. Definitely, definitely. Well, We've talked a few different times on here about different topics, and uh, we've been talking about doing a 1987 hair metal album list, man. And this was tough, wasn't it? It really was, yeah. <laughs> There's, uh, yeah, that was kind of, um, I mean, these are kind of like the glory years, but I mean, if we'd done one, say, for, for 88, 89, we'd potentially be here for about three hours talking <laughs> about the album. But as of right now, it's, it's just... Uh, you know, we're just doing the, the 87 years, and um, yeah, I've got some obvious albums, uh, but there's actually probably a few that you might not know, so we'll see, we'll see how we get on. <laughs> That's great. I always like to get exposed to something new that I haven't heard before, and one thing that I'll tell the listeners that I did, I've done a couple other ones where I just did metal in general, so you might see you know, a heavy band intermixed with a hair band, but for this list, at least for with you, I did straight up hair metal. Maybe at the end we could do some honorable mentions, and I've got some heavy albums, because there were some great... Uh, you know, like power metal, heavy metal stuff that came out in 87 too, thrash metal. So I've got a couple of those that I really like, but this one I tried to go just, you know, like the hard rock, hair metal style. Yeah, sounds good, man. Sounds awesome. good. So why don't you just kick us off? Let's get right into it. This should be interesting. What is your number 10? Right, okay. So num number 10, uh, I've got Motley Crue and Girls, Girls, Girls. Nice. Um, which you might be a little bit surprised that that's kind of not higher, but... Um, I'm not. I've got to admit, I'm not the biggest Motley fan in the world. Uh, you know, I have I have all the all the albums, but um, they 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 weren't like one of my favorite bands really. But um, 
I, I really love this album. And uh, this is one of those albums that, uh, looking through my list, there's a few albums where I kind of, you know, I got into the albums later on and I bought them much, much later after the, after the 1987 release date. But there's at least five or six that I actually bought back in 1987. Uh, this being one of them. So, uh, pri- the, the previous year I, I just got into music as a, well, rock music as a nine year old kid with, uh, Europe and Bon Jovi. And then 87 was another big year because it was, you know, I was exposed to about like three or four other big bands from, from that genre and, and Motley Crue being one of them. So, uh, I, I, I think this album's great. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a weird album because if you look at the actual track listing, there's 10 tracks, but there's, there's a live uh, cover version of Jailhouse Rock. And then there's the kind of what's that song Nona, which yep. is kind of like, one and a half minutes. It's not. I don't really know what's going on with that. Song, not a real but, song, really. No. Uh, but, yeah, but um, I think you're all I need. Is is. I mean, that what an incredible song that is. That's probably my favorite Motley Crue songs. To be mm-hmm. honest with you, and uh, you can't really argue with Wildside and Girls, 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 and uh, you know, all in the name of rock and roll. And uh, one thing I really loved about this album as well. I thought I thought Vince sounded great on this album. I mm-hmm. thought he. Um, I know he gets a, a bad rap these days, but um, I always thought Vince was great. I, I loved his voice. He had tons of attitude. and um, So, yeah, so, so Motley Girls, Girls, Girls is my number 10. So uh, so uh, how about you, Mike? What you, what you got at number 10? Well, let me just say I won't comment on Motley Crue because uh, this may be on my list a little higher. So I'll, I'll talk about my thoughts on, on the Motley Crue later on. Uh, so my number 10 is... D, you just released a new album, Love is for Suckers, here. Um, would you say it's a comeback for Twisted Sister? Uh, I'm not exactly sure if it's a comeback, um, but we have gone back to our earlier style of playing uh, more to our roots than previous records have been. Twisted Sister, Love is for Suckers. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. and uh, this is one where you know most people don't look at this as their best album. And if you've listened to the podcast when we talked with Bo Hill, it was kind of spotty about who actually played on this album. You know, it was supposed to be a D. Snyder solo album, but whatever. For me, the first three songs are like my favorite Twisted Sister songs: "Wake Up the Sleeping Giant," "Hot Love." And Love is for Suckers. I think those are like three of their best tunes. There's other tunes on the album that are really good too. And maybe that's kind of why this I put this at 10. Because like I said, I'm not crazy about all the other songs. But they're decent. But those first three songs are like awesome songs. And especially Hot Love. Have you ever heard Hot Love? You know that song? Yeah, yeah. I was never really. I was. I've got to admit, I was never really a, a big Twisted Sister fan. But I've got. I've got one of my one of my best friends over here. Is that, Absolutely, but like, his sister is his favorite band. So I always get whenever we he actually he he's one of the, the roadies for for Midnight City. So uh, he comes out on the road with us, and, and we're, whenever we're traveling around, I'm always subjected to Twisted Sister <laughs> like <laughs> for the entire time. So I do know a lot of the songs, you know, and they, they did have some some good songs, you know, and I I know especially Hot Love's a great song. Yeah, um, but yeah, he's 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 a massive Twisted Sister fan, so. Uh, so he'd, he'd appreciate that. I think, I think that'll probably be, uh, you know, on my, my buddy's list that'll probably be, uh, make number one and uh, number two in terms of the albums. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Hot Love, like I said, if Hot Love was done by Poison or something like that, it would have been like a number one hit. But like I said, Twisted Sister was was taking a swing at the glam thing. You know, it didn't work, and ultimately they broke up after. So once again, it's a it's a cool album. It's a little bit you know all over the place. I think Red Beach and Kip Winger actually play on it. So there's a lot of cool hair metal ties. Uh, Bo Hill produced it. So yeah, it's just uh, it's a cool one. I like it. Yeah, you can't go wrong with a Bo Hill produced album, <laughs> <No>. can you? <laughs> you cannot. He's the best. He know? is, man. He is. How Absolutely. about number nine? What do you got for nine? Right. So uh, number nine, I'm going to show you uh, one of one of the curveballs here. So you may not have heard this band, um, uh, or you may have done. But I, I don't think they, they ever really did anything in, in the States. Uh, it's a Swedish band called Treat. Um, okay. I don't know if you're aware of them or not. Was Matt Matt Slavin the singer at one point? He, yeah, he was. Yeah, he uh, he wasn't on this album. Okay. Uh, basically, Treat were, um, I think, the, um, the, the, the album that I'm going to put in the top ten is an album called Dream Hunter, which was uh, their second album. So uh, the first album wasn't all that great. 
second album, Dream Hunter. Uh, the only thing I can say about it, it is just like it's Europe, basically. It's Europe with a different singer. Mm. Uh, it's unbelievably similar to, uh, you know, the final countdown era, Europe. Everything about the album kind of sounds the same. It's almost as if they just took the final countdown album and they said, okay, let's use the same drum sound, let's use the same <laughs> guitar sound, let's use the same keyboard sounds. And honestly, if you put Joey Tempest singing these songs, it's, it's a Europe album. Um, and they, they did, I think they did about two albums after this, which weren't quite as good. Um, and I think it, Max Levin was, was, uh, singing in the band in kind of like the early, I think he was, he replaced the guy who sang on this album. Okay. And they released an album sort of early nineties, uh, which was, was pretty good. And then I think they, they, they split up and they kind of reformed in the two thousands. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure what they're doing at the minute. Um, but this album, if you've not checked this out, you will, uh, you know, if you, if you like that kind of, you know, Europe sound, you know, there's a lot of keyboards. There's a song called Take Me On Your Wings, which is like the standout track of the album. Uh, I think you'd like this album, Mike. It's very, very, uh, like I said, it's just, it's more Europe than Europe. So that's all I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. No, I, I've heard of Treat, but I don't think I've ever heard a single song by them. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to check that one out. So, like I said, that's why I like doing these. I like when somebody will throw me one and say, hey, have you ever heard that? And if I haven't, you know, I'll go check it out because, hey, I'm always looking for, you know, new music to discover. So, who isn't? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good hair metal album, so I, th- I think you dig it, Mike. So what? What have you got at number right, nine? Close then? Close the blinds, turn the lights way down, and turn the volume up. It's Saturday night. Time to rock. Well, I've got Ace Freely's. Uh, is it just called Ace Freely? Freely's Comet. I think at this point it was called just Ace Freely, and the album's called Freely's Comet. But yeah, but I got the Freely's Comet album, and I, I love this album, man. You know, it's just real. When you go back and you revisit it today, it's just simple. You know, maybe call it like meat and potato, rock and roll. You know, it's almost like ACDC in, in some respects. Like at least a lot of the Ace stuff. It's real simple. Uh, even lyrically, it's it's really juvenile, but I like it. It's catchy. You know, stuff like Stranger in a Strange Land and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's real simplistic. And Rock Soldiers is just a killer tune. Into the Night is awesome. And I've always liked, a lot of people don't like him, but I like Todd Haworth. And I think like Calling to You and some of the stuff that he did on their breakout is is really cool. So, yeah, man, I've got Freely. And once again, you know, I'm a Kiss freak. And I think that album stands up. I, like I said, it's good straight ahead, just rock and roll. Yeah, it is. Uh, Rock Soldiers, uh, what a great song that so was. That would have, you know, that would have been a great Kiss song, you know. Was, um, yeah, but it is. It's just straight to the point. There's, there's nothing kind of uh, too complicated about that album. But uh, yeah, that one didn't make my top ten, but uh, it's, it's a great album nonetheless. Yeah, man. What do you, what do you got for eight? Right, number eight. Okay, we got another curveball. <laughs> another <laughs> uh, this one. This one is. Um, yeah, yeah, and I've got one more, and then I think you'll then I think you'll probably know the rest. But uh, yeah, number eight is um, an album by Jeff Paris, and uh, the album's called Wired Up, and this came out obviously in '87. Uh, I don't even know too much about Jeff Paris, but he was kind of like a a um, obviously a solo artist. Um, he he ended up after after um, this album, he went on to, to write. Everybody, um, you know, he wrote songs with uh, Paul Stanley and and oh, ton, like tons of other artists. Uh, but this was his his debut. I think he did like three albums, but this is his debut solo album. And this is just, I mean, it just sounds like um, uh, I, I guess bon, like Bon Jovi is, is the the obvious comparison here. Big eight late eighties, you know, commercial Bon Jovi type rock. Um, but what's interesting about this album is that there's four tracks um, which went went on to uh, be on the first Vixen album. So if you remember Vixen, and uh, I think on, I think this album had the songs. Um, I think it was Crying, Love Made Me, and Charm Life. Mm-hmm. And I think there was um, uh, what's the other song? There was a, there was another song. And basically, he he put out the solo album in '87. It didn't really do anything. And then a year later, four of those songs ended up on the debut Vixen album. And obviously, Vixen had uh, quite quite a few hits, you know, yeah. especially with the song "Crying." Yep. Uh, but they were actually initially recorded and written and recorded by Jeff Paris on on his Wired Up album. So uh, 
So yeah, it, it, it's a great album. Again, this this is one that I think you you know you absolutely love this. Um, if, you, if you check out um, Jeff Paris Saturday Night, which is the first track off the album, it'll be right up your street, Mike. I'm telling nice. you, you're going to love this one. All right, man, I'll I'll definitely check it out. I've heard that name, but I have never heard any of his song well obviously i've heard crying by, by mixing but i haven't heard his version so yeah that's cool man i'll, I'll definitely check that out but once again glad to hear another one that's a little bit more rare that's cool yeah so what you got for number eight all right you're gonna get mad at me because this is an album you like a lot uh, i don't like it as much so <laughs> you probably can already guess what it is you want to guess what it is I know what's coming. Yeah, it's gonna be Kiss Crazy Nights, right? <laughs> yes, good, good one, man. You get you get I know, bonus points. I know, you, <laughs> I know, I know you too well by now, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got Kiss Crazy Nights once again. You know, I, I want to like this album. I love Kiss. I remember even when I bought it as a kid, I, I just I like I was okay with it, but I didn't ever think it was as good as Asylum and then as some of the earlier Kiss albums. So it's just a little too thin, and I feel like there's too many duds on there for me. But but you know, Turn on the Night that makes the album. That's the best song. Uh, that's one of the best '80s Kiss song in my opinion. Turn on the Night is so good, and even I even like Couple of Jeans. I like Thief in the Night, and I like uh, Hell or High Water. Uh, but some of the ones like My Way and some of that stuff, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's me. It probably would have been better as a Paul Stanley solo album, some of that stuff. And maybe that's something we talked about before when we did that Kiss uh, ranking. But yeah, I mean, I like Crazy Nights, but, you know, I got to I gotta have a Kiss on this list because they're my favorite band. But it's it's spotty for me. It's just spotty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you probably, you know, um, obviously, the, it, it, it's no, uh, no surprise that Kiss featured pretty highly on my list, but... Um, uh, you're probably right, you know, with the, the, the Paul Stanley solo album thing. It, it, I mean, it, a lot of a lot of the songs do sound like they they could have been, you know, it's definitely more of a Paul album than a Gene album. But uh, I'm glad that he still made your list anyway. So yes. that, that's good. <laughs> it made my list, and, and there's a couple that are, are on my list that people are going to be like shocked. But you know, we'll, we'll talk about that afterwards. So what do you got for seven? Right, seven. Okay, so this is the last one that you uh, borderline. I'm not sure whether you've heard of this band either, but um, the rest you'll know, but this number seven is uh, a German band called Bonfire. Oh, and Bonfire! The yeah. Called, yeah, and then the, and the album's called Fireworks. And uh, this this one um, I didn't get in '87. I, this was a band I discovered um, years later. But this album's great. Uh, I think I'm right in saying this is this was their second album. Uh, it was produced by Michael Wagner, so uh, you know a big uh, obviously name producer who produced Skid Row and Dokken and a million other bands. Um, and it's kind of how I would describe it is kind of almost like when the Scorpions were the glamiest and the kind of the most hair metal, I think their album was, I think it was Crazy World album, I think, from yeah. 1990. When they were at their kind of most sort of American sounding, uh, it kind of sounds like that. Um, there's quite a lot of keyboards on it. It's a little bit Bon Jovi in places. It's almost kind of like a like a like a German Bon Jovi, basically. And uh, there's some great songs on this album. Um, Sleeping All Alone is is probably the standout track off the album. There's also a really kick-ass song called American Night. Oh, just it's just a really really good album. Um, they did, uh, and I think the follow-up to this album came out in '89. An album called Point Blank, which was pretty cool. They did a they did a good like big MTV video. Uh, for off that album, uh, but this really is their kind of like standout album, really. And uh, I used to play this one a lot. I, I probably discovered this in the early '90s, uh, but this, this album got played a lot. It's very, very cool. So, um, do, do you know this album or? You know what? I, I'm not familiar with the songs on it. I mean, obviously, I'm familiar with Bonfire because of Sword in the Stone. And I know I've heard other songs and videos, but that's another one that I probably have to go back and revisit. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with Bonfire. Yeah, it's kind of like, it, 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 I mean, obviously, it's, they, they covered Sword and Stone for, uh, um, I think it was on the, uh, what was it on the, the Shocker soundtrack? Shocker. I can't remember. Yes. But, um, yep. Yeah. So the, the album, the, the, just the album in general, sounds very similar to kind of Sword and Stone. There's a lot of those type of songs on the album. So if you like Sword and Stone, you'll really dig this album. There's some great stuff on it. 
So, awesome. uh, yeah, another one from maybe you should, you know, check out Mike when you get a second. Yeah, I will, man. I definitely will. So here, my, this is one that you, this is a band you know a lot about here. You know a lot about this band. I got Tiger Tales, uh, Young and Crazy at number seven. And, it, you know, I just love this album. One, one thing, and I don't know if I've told you this, but I think I told Jay this, is that I bought this album without ever hearing a, a single track off of it. it was, the cover was enough to sell to me. You know what I mean? I saw the cover and I was like, yeah, yeah. Th- this is my kind of stuff. <laughs> and I didn't know what they, I, well, I kind of assumed what they would sound like. And I, I was pretty close, you know, what they did sound like. But a little different, you know, like they were a little bit more nastier than some of the other hair bands. And, and uh, Stevie James has a, a super interesting voice. You know, he, it's kind of like, uh, it reminds me of like Dizzy Dean Davidson. So there's times where it's a lower voice and then there's times where it's a scream. So it, I always thought his voice was cool and just so many great songs, you know, like Hollywood Killer and Shameless and She's Too Hot. It's just it's just great stuff. So, you know, obviously that's one that you know a lot about and, and you maybe you can offer some thoughts on, but that's my seven. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, we could probably go to number six for me because that's uh, Tiger Tales You Run Crazy is, is number six for me. Um, I, I absolutely love this album, uh, obviously. As a singer of Tiger Tales, I know this album very well. I mean, it's still um, still my favorite Tiger Tales album. You know, um, I, I discovered Tiger Tales in, in 1990 through the Berserk album, okay. which was um, it's actually a big hit in the UK. It was a top top 40 album, and they're one of those bands that, um, you know, were on the verge of, you know, breaking out and being a big band. Unfortunately, never, they never quite got to that stage, but... They, they were big in the UK in 1990. Um, but th- so I didn't really know anything about the being a crazy album until I did a bit of, you know, reading up in Kerrang magazine and stuff. And I found out that they got this album out with a, a different singer and, uh, and bought this on vinyl. And, um, I'm the same as you, you know, I mean, it was, it was a very cleverly marketed album because I think, um, whether, whether, whether the guys wanted to admit it or not, uh, um, I'm pretty sure that the label said, well, poison's really you know, popular and everybody right. wants poison. So let's kind of steal the album cover. You know, let's put the four faces on the front with the the superly made up face. You know, the lipstick and the the eyeliner and, and the, the big hair and everything. Um, and they were really they they were kind of like the UK poison stroke Motley Crue. But like you say, you know, like it is a tougher album. You know, it's kind of there's a times of you know on the album where they're, they're quite it's quite punk. You yeah. know this album, yes. you know, in places, and uh, I always loved Stevie James's voice as well. I thought he was great. Um, I was lucky enough to—I uh, uh, mean, I've been in Tiger Tales now for ten years, but um, prior to that, um, I, I was actually—I actually played guitar for Stevie James for, for a short amount of time um, back in God, like two thousand nine or something like that, and and I played uh, three or four shows with him out in, in Scandinavia, and uh, so I got to know Stevie really well, and. Um, I, I've always loved Stevie's voice, you know, he, I, I think he's got so much attitude and, and, and everything he did afterwards, you know, his solo stuff that he did after getting Five and Tales was, was great. Mm-hmm. And then he did my private Howl album in 2009, which was like one of my favorite albums of, of that kind of, you know, era of time. And uh, yeah, he was just great. I, I, I thought he was, I much preferred him to Kim Hooker, who, who replaced him. And uh, it's kind of weird as well because, you know, as you know, I used to live out in the States and um, I know that, you know, the, the band that I had at the time, Sins of America, they, they were all very familiar with Tiger Tales um, because they, they, the first album was, you know, I don't know what label it was on, but it was released in America. But I, I don't think Berserk, the second album, was even released in America as no. far as I'm aware because they knew nothing about like a second album. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, the second album Berserk was the one that was, that was their big album, you know, but, um, but yeah, but, um, I, I still much prefer the first one. And we still, you know, I played some, um, as I said earlier at the start of the show, I, I, uh, played a couple of shows with Tiger Tales this year. Um, we, we've been away for a while, but we, we, uh, we played a couple of really cool festivals and the majority of the materials from Berserk, but we still play, you know, three or four songs in this album. We still do, like, you know, um, Living Without You, Star Attraction, um, Shoot to Kill, which Hollywood Killer sometimes. So we Lovely. still do play some stuff from this album. And, um, yeah, I'm like you. I, I love this album. I think it's great. It's really trashy, uh, it's yeah. in a good way. And it's kind of it's kind of one of those songs as well where 
because I think how it was recorded, it was quite cheaply recorded, and it was you know the production isn't great, but it still kind of sounds like relevant. It doesn't yeah. sound dated no. at all because it's so trashy. It kind of you know like some of the albums like you know that had that big 80s production and the keyboards and all that you know kiss i mean yeah. that crazy night as you know is one of my favorite albums but it does sound very dated whereas this album i think still sounds quite fresh yes. um just because of how it was recorded so there you go <laughs> yeah a couple you know you, you made me think of a couple of things while you were talking i'll try to see if, see if i can remember all of them i think in the states it came out on music for nations could be could be wrong on that because I don't know if I have my original copy anymore. I think I had it on tape or something, so I don't know if I have it anymore, but I could have swore it was Music for Nations. Never had a video, but it was in music stores next to all the other metal. You know what I mean? So it was it was in the stores. I got this first before Berserk. Now, somehow I got Berserk also on a cassette, but that must have been an import. And at first, I'm going to be honest, I didn't really like Berserk when I first heard it because it was so drastically different than uh, Young and Crazy. But then it took a while, but after a while, I, I'm like really into Berserk now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like it took me a while because it was so drastically different. But uh, And one more thing about the album cover itself. Not only does it have that poison look, but almost like from a graphic standpoint, it's really bold and it catches your eye. Something about that turquoise and the yellow, It really that album cover really pops. Whoever design that was very clever and uh yeah those are just a couple of things as you were talking my, my my wheels were spinning so yeah 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 definitely it was definitely on music i mean they're, they're on music for nations over here in the uk um for, for both you know the first album and the second album so i'm presuming that that was the same yeah. um you know which was which was a decent you know it was an independent label but it was a big independent label you know because obviously you know po the first poison album was on music for nations and striper i i yeah, I believe in like an early Metallica album was released on Music for Nations yeah, as well. Yes, so yeah. they had they had a good label, you know. It was a good a good good decent sized label. That um, yeah, it's a shame that it didn't blow up, you know, because um, you know they they had all the ingredients to be a you know a big band and say you know in America as well, you know. But uh, you know, but uh, yeah, that that album I I still love that album. I, I play it a lot, even though I'm in the band. I still think the hell out of that album. <laughs> <laughs> so it must be my six. All right, now we're getting into the big guns, right? I'm assuming your list. I'm assuming your list is going to be all big guns, and, and mine's going to be big guns. So uh, let's just. I'm going to put it out there. Number six, 1987, self-titled man. It's uh, it's it's great stuff. I mean, it's probably. A little played out at this point you know because like i said we've heard so like you know here i go again and is this love so many times but this album is pretty damn heavy you know stuff like crying in the rain and still the night is real is really you know groovy heavy stuff and uh i love it i mean obviously it's a huge seller i don't know if it sold like 10 million copies or something like that but it's a, it's a big one and and i'm, I'm assuming it was obviously i know it was kind of like White Snake's American breakthrough, but I'm sure this was huge in the UK too. Oh yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I've, I've got I've got White Snake car featuring in it further up my list, so I'll, I'll have a, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in, in <laughs> okay. when, we, when we get to uh, get to that one. But yeah, I've got White Snake in there as well. I I, I love that album. I think it's great. Yeah. So um, so yeah, so uh, I've got number five. Um, this this was an album that I loved when I was a little kid. Um, and it was one of those bands that I discovered through, um, you know, they had a big single, uh, I think it was like a number one, I, think it was, I don't think it was number one, I think it was number two single in the UK, which was amazing for a rock band, uh, and the song was Alone, and the, and the album is Heart, Bad Animal. My third, Heart Live. a holiday weekend at Starwood with Heart. Ooh, okay, um, Heart, yeah. So I, I, heart. yeah. I, I loved her uh, as a little kid. It was kind of, I just, I thought they were great. Um, and I absolutely played this album to death when I was a kid. I And then backtracked and got the uh, the, the album before this, the 85 album mm. with, uh, you know, These Dreams and What About Love and all that, all that, all those songs, those big songs. And then the album after this was great, the Brigade album. Yep. Um, but this one was, it just reminds me of being a little kid. And I, I remember vividly going, to, uh, I think it was Woolworths when that was still open. I don't know whether you guys have that shop over in the States, <laughs> <We> but <laughs> I remember going and buying uh, Heart 
you know, with my pocket money, you know, it's one of those albums alongside Kiss and, and White Snake and, and Death Leopard where I actually, I, I bought the cassette, you know, when it came out pretty much. And, uh, I played this album to death and, uh, it, it was kind of, it was kind of funny as well, kind of funny story because, um, uh, my dad, uh, when, you know, he, we were driving around in my dad's car, we were, you know, whatever we were going on holiday or whatever we were doing, he would only let me play certain cassettes <laughs> in his car stereo. Like he would never let me put White Snake on because he was he he he, he was too, as he called it, it was too noisy. Uh, and that's kind of like my dad's way of saying it was too heavy. So uh, so there was only certain albums that he would allow me to play. Uh, one was like he was with Europe and the only other band he would allow you know to play in his car stereo was was, was Heart you know he was a big Heart <laughs> fan so it's kind of like got a lot of kind of nostalgic reasons attached to why I really like this album and uh, there's some great songs you know obviously Alone is the, the, the power ballad of all power ballad, uh, ballads but there's also you know There's a Girl's a great song uh, who, who Will You Run To Strangers yeah. of the Heart um there's some really good songs on this album. I, I, I thought they were great, but they're, they're one of those kind of weird bands where a bit like White Snake, where I only really liked the big American sounding albums yep. because prior to that, you know, they were kind of like more of a, I suppose in the early 80s, 70s and early 80s, more like a, like a folk rock kind of band, which I was never, almost like more of a, like a Fleetwood Mac type thing. Yeah. And then suddenly, you know, in the mid 80s, you know, they, they'd sign a new record deal with Capitol and, you know, basically the label said, look, you know, we, we need to get you guys, you know, looking and sounding big for the eighties. You know, they got, you know, Diane Warren and, and all these outside songwriters in, you know, Muck Lang and people like that. And obviously the image with the big hair and everything. And, uh, but, the, but those three albums, 85, um, this one, Bad Animals and also Big Brigade, I thought was three really cool heart albums. So, so yeah, so that's that's my number five. What what have you got number five? Well, real quick, you know about Heart is like you know I like Heart as well, and I kind of forget you know you forget they were kind of like a hair band. <laughs> I kind of forget about that, you know what I mean? So I didn't even think about them. Uh, I probably wouldn't put them on my list anyways, just because I didn't get into them at that point. I think I didn't get into Heart till kind of like the nineties because you know a lot of the hair metal thing was drying up, and I remember Heart put out like some acoustic album, The Road Home, which was really really good. That's like, right. Yeah, it's almost like all. All those bands that did acoustic albums in the mid '90s, like Kiss Unplugged and their album, there, stellar. Because you could just realize how talented these people are. But anyways, uh, and then I think I backtracked, and then I bought the '80s horror and the '70s horror, and I I kind of went down the wormhole of heart more in the '90s. So this didn't really capture. I mean, once again, I thought they were good. I remember the videos. They always had you know the big videos, and, and I didn't mind any of those songs. I guess I never. They probably weren't heavy enough for me at the time to include with the stuff I was listening to. You know what I mean? It kind of just probably escaped me a little bit. So. Yeah. So number five yeah, is a yeah, band I, I that, like that fit into you know the pocket of, of what I liked back in the day. And, this is White Lion's Pride. And uh, just, you know, it's phenomenal. I mean, what can we say? Mike Tramp and Vito Brada, good stuff. I mean, I don't ever get sick of Wait and Tell Me. And that's what, I guess that's the difference with those songs. Like, I hear those songs a lot, but I don't get sick of them. But I get sick of some of the White Snake ones. So that's why I feel like I, I want to go back to this album more often than I would want to go back to the White Snake album. And even, there's so many other songs that didn't get a lot of attention, like Hungry and Lonely Nights and, you know, Sweet Little Love. And you could go through all those and, and say that those are great songs too. So, yeah, White Lion, man, that was that was the total package. Oh, I agree. Well, I've, I've got I've got White Lion Pride at, at number four. So, oh, okay. so yeah. <laughs> yeah, number four for me. Uh, the same the same thing. I absolutely loved uh, loved White Lion um, as, as a kind of teenager, as a as a front man. Mike Tramp was kind of like one of my uh, one of my idols, and you know, I, I you know you probably stole a few moves from him. And stuff, right. You know. Right. Uh, but I, I absolutely, I absolutely love this album. Um, I'm a huge, huge White Lion fan. Um, I think, you know, my favorite White Lion album is probably uh, Main Attraction, which came out in 91. Uh, uh, but you can't argue with this album. I mean, this, this was the biggest album, you know, I think we sold like 2 million copies of this album. And, uh, 
And uh, it's cool, actually. A couple of years ago, I, I did a uh, an acoustic tour with, with Mike Tramp, which was great. Awesome. I, was, I was opening up for him and um, I ended up, you know, getting to know him quite well. And, and me and him kind of got along great. And it was, it, it was great to hear all these, you know, he had so many amazing stories about, you know, that because they got on some big tours back in the day, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they opened up for Kiss, they opened up for uh, Aerosmith, ACDC, yep. Ozzy, like, I mean, the list was endless, you know, every, pretty much every big arena tour, they, they pretty much got, uh, I remember they came to the UK in, in like 89, uh, with, uh, with Motley Crue as well, Motley Crue and Skid Row, and uh, they were one of, just one of those bands, I thought they were, they were, they should they had all the ingredients to be a lot bigger than they were. Um, obviously, you know, Mike Tramp looked like a rock god and, you know, Vito on guitar, probably, the, in my opinion, the best 80s guitar player. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, I, you know, I, I guess they, they were fairly big in the States, but, you know, they, I think they, they had the ingredients to, to have been one of the top bands that, unfortunately, they never quite, you know, got there really, but um, I love this album too. Uh, you know, Hungry is probably my, you know, the, the track one off the album. I yeah. mean, that's probably my favorite song on the album. But um, but anything Wide Lion is, you know, I, I I can't say enough good good things about them. I, I just thought they were great. That's funny because Main Attraction is my favorite uh, one by them too. I think like they were just everything was coming together. You know, the songwriting and the sound quality. Yeah, I love that one. And you know what I think might have hurt them. Uh, you could say, like, too bad the Pride album didn't come out maybe a couple years earlier, but I, I don't think Big Game is that strong of an album. I think if they put out a stronger album in 89, they would have had a better run, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the problem, I, I remember speaking to Mike about this, the, the problem that they had at the time was um, they came off the, the Pride tour and they'd basically been on tour for two years, and the record label said, right, we want a new album, like, now. And they basically... Apparently they they wrote Big Game the entire album in ten days, wow. <laughs> so they was they were kind of just like we needed. So they basically he, he told me this great story of you know they came off the road, they basically um, it, Mike and Vito just hold themselves up in the hotel for ten days, and they wrote you know the twelve songs in in ten days, recorded it, and within like about three or four months, the album, they're back on the road again. Um, so they, they were kind of rushed, I think. I think yeah. they've you know, been given a little bit more time because I think Big Game even, there's a lot of filler on Big Game, but there's still, I'd say, say there's still probably a good five, five or six really good songs on Big Game. And then the rest of it is kind of a little bit, you know, filler. So it's kind of half of it's great. You know, I just think if they've been just been given, like you said, if, if everything could have come out a couple of years earlier, I think, you know, maybe Pride had, had come out in 80, 85 and then yeah. they've done an, an even better follow-up in 87. I think that could have been, you know, what set them over the edge, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I, st- I still listen to, to, to all, all the White Line albums a lot, you know, even, even now. I, I never get sick of them. I think they're great. All right, man. So here's my four. Now, once again, this was this was your ten. Some even like the music. I like Motley Crue. I like girls, girls, girls. That's catchy. So this is Motley Crue, girls, girls, girls. Um, you said you weren't big into Motley Crue, but I was huge into Motley Crue, (laughs) and still am. They're probably like (laughs) my my second favorite band. And look, I'm gonna be realistic here. I this by no means is their best album. I don't think so. You know what I mean? I think they got way better albums than this, but. There's a couple pieces of things that come together that make this one of my favorite eras of the band. I mean, I, this was the first concert I ever went to. I mean, come on, the spinning drum set and the red stage and the flame. I mean, I, you know what I mean? So that so that just makes me like the album even more and more. Um, I do think that sound-wise, I liked where they were going because if you think about it, Shout at the Devil is like a straight-up metal album. Uh, Theater of Pain is a little confused, right? There's some metallic tracks, but then you've got some bluesy tracks. It doesn't really know what it is. This one goes full on into the bluesy, sleazy, you know, Mick Mars slide, you know, guitar, all that kind of stuff. So I feel like they got it right. And I think the image fits too, because when you look at them, they had that really scaled down black leather image, the gritty, nasty sound. Even lyrically, it's a really dark album. Wild Side, super dark, Dancing on Glass. There's a lot of dark tracks that just about the kind of, you know, dark side of, of LA and of life and stuff. So I think when you look at it as a total package and everything, 
you know, when I got into the band and going to see that concert, which White Snake was the opener, so another band that was was big in '87. So, uh, yeah, I got to put it at four, man. I love the crew, and you're right, Vince Neil. I don't care what anybody says, at least in the studio, his voice is awesome. Nobody else sounds like him, and uh, he's he's definitely an innovator when it comes to the glam vocals and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, that's where I got it, man. Four. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with what you said. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just loved, I, I thought Vince was for me. He was kind of like the star of the band. I, I always thought he, he was great, great frontman, great singer, um, and uh, yeah, I would have loved to have seen that tour actually because, uh, especially with White Snake, oh. um, that would that would have been awesome. You know, that would have been great. I don't think. I, I mean, they came. Over, I think, in fact, yeah, they didn't come over to the UK. They they should have come over to the UK in 87 and I think that the, I remember there's some weird story I, I, I think it might have been around the time um, when Nicky was having all these big drug problems yep. and stuff so they, they cancelled the tour I think if I remember rightly I remember they gave like some really lame excuse which was, uh, has been joked about ever since I think they said something like um, don't quote me on this but I, I'm pretty sure in Kerrang the reason for cancelling the tour was um, that uh, because of because because of the bad weather, it was like over the winter that they blamed the snow or some some. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but that rather than saying, "Look, Nikki Six is overdosed," and you know, yeah. whatever you know, we can't go out. They blamed something about the snow on the roof or something. It was like a really famous story, like in Kerrang, and it was just like a complete joke. So they never made it. Uh, they came over for the Doctor Feelgood tour. Like I said, they they brought all the White Lion and Skid Row with them, which was amazing. That's awesome. But, uh, they never came. They never came over to the UK on on the girls' tour. So, uh, so yeah. But uh, I'm glad you got to see him, Mike. I bet that was yeah, that was a great show, right? That's a tough first concert, Rob. You know, well, but then again, the second one wasn't too bad either, man. Cinderella, Winger, and Bullet Boy. So I I had a couple bangers for the the first two concerts I ever went to. So those were good ones. Definitely, yeah, yeah. What do you got for number three? Right, so number three. Great taste. Right. Uh, I think absence makes the heart grow fonder. The revamped White Snake brought back the 70s style of hard rock, and lead singer David Coverdale found his true love in Tawny Katane, who became his fiance after appearing in three of the band's videos. I've got White Snake 87. There you so, go. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, you touched on it. I'd kind of flip flopped him a little bit. Um, again, this, this was one of those albums that I bought as a 10 year old kid in 1987 on cassette. Um, I remember discovering White Snake through uh, they had a couple of big hits uh, in the UK charts with uh, I think Is This Is This Love was first and then um, Here I Go Again but I remember seeing it, the Is This Love video and kind of thinking uh, you know as a little ten year old kid oh they kind of like they've got that Bon Jovi look going on but you know the singer's definitely a lot older than <laughs> Bon Jovi yeah. but they kind of you know I kind of you know back then when you're a little kid you kind of like put like to put things in boxes and I saw the big poodle hair and everything it's kind of it's kind of a little bit like Bon Jovi a little bit like Europe um, so I bought the cassette and then I was just like whoa this is like as a little 10 year old kid like the heaviest album I'd ever heard you know I wasn't expecting it because I obviously I'd heard Is This Love obviously the power ballad and you know Here I Go Again which is you know super poppy but like I say, you know, crying in the rain and, and Ooh, still yeah. of the night and, and bad boys and children of the night. And, I mean, it's a tough, it's a kick-ass sounding album. It really is so much so. Like I said, my dad wouldn't allow me to play it. <laughs> Too noisy. So, uh, but I, I know, right? So uh, I absolutely love this, and uh, probably one of my favorite songs on the album is uh, "Straight for the Heart," which was uh, one of the kind of like more uh, uh, album kind of tracks on the album, yep. but. I, I love this album, um, and it, again, White Snake, a bit like Heart, really. Um, White Snake are one of those bands that um, I only really like two albums. Like I love Slip of the Tongue, which came out in '89. Absolutely love that album as well. Probably, probably I like that album maybe a little bit more than the '87 album. But I remember getting this in '87, and then again hearing about the fact that White Snake have been around for quite a while before this. And I think I, I think I bought the album. I think it was Ready and Willing or something like that. The album before this, and I just I just didn't like it at all because that's when there was still that kind of yep. British blues rock type type yep. of band. 
Um, and this album was without a doubt, uh, again, it's like a- A&R people saying, look, you know, you've got to change your image, you've got to update the sound, Americanize everything, you know, for the 80s. And and um, and then after, you know, after Slip of the Tongue, they kind of went back to the kind of like British blues rock thing, which I just, I, you know, I, I had no interest in anything they did after that. But but they, those two albums, of what I call the... the they're big American albums. I absolutely loved them. Uh, I played this album to death when I was a kid. I absolutely loved this album. I thought it was great. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I like Slip of the Tongue better than this album too. And, you know, you're probably pissing off some of your fellow uh, UK <laughs> listeners here when you say, you know, like that old British I know. <laughs> <laughs> I hate I hate anything that sounds. I always have. I've I've always hated anything that sounds British, and um, because I think, like to me, you know, and this there's a big scene in the UK for for what we call quote unquote classic rock, and a really classic rock is that kind of very bluesy British sounding rock music, you know, like mm. Thunder and bands like that. And, yeah, you know, nothing against them, but I I was just I was I was always into the the big commercial poppy american sound you know so uh if it, you know that's why i love these two albums and then like i said everything else that white snake have done i i just can't i just can't get on board with it at all it's just, but these two those two albums are absolutely phenomenal i, I love them yeah and, well, yeah. Uh, i actually listened to the 87 album uh not long ago for you know i hadn't listened to it in years and i was like god this album still really again one of those albums it, it doesn't sound dated, you know. It, it it still sounds just as kick-ass as it did, you know, the first time I heard it when I was a, a 10-year-old kid, you know. Mm. So, yeah. So, number three, I got Dockin' Back for the Attack, man. I love this album. I think every, there's a lot of songs on this album, but I think every song is good. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're kicking it off with Kiss of Death and Heaven Sent. Uh, I love so many tears, and the thing ends off with just like an added track that was out earlier. But Dream Warriors is probably one of my favorite Dokken songs. Some people don't like Dream Warriors, but yeah, I'm a big Dokken guy. I, I think the combination of George Lynch and Don Dokken is just an amazing, uh, you know, combination of guys. Kind of similar to the way Mike Tramp and Vito Brada were. You know, I think those two make the band. And uh, yeah, man, I love I love Back for the Attack. Yeah, I, 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 again, I was I wasn't like the biggest Dokken fan. I've got to be honest. I mean, I, I had again, I had all the albums. Um, I think this is definitely their best album. Yep. Uh, it, it's not made my it's not made my top ten, but I, I'd say this is definitely their best album. Um, and I mean, God, I mean George Lynch, what a, what a, what an incredible player he was, you know. Oh, and, um, crazy. Yeah, I just I, I think one of the one of the reasons that again this is terrible, but like one of the reasons I think initially as a kid I wasn't that into them was I never thought they looked all that cool you know <laughs> they kind of like yeah and that sort of put me off them you know I kind of like yeah George Lynch kind of looked cool but the rest of them all kind of looked a bit, they didn't look that great so I was kind of especially as a little impressionable like kid uh, you know unless you the band looked cool I wasn't going to give you the time of day so Dokken was a, a band that I got into much later because you know, I had old, older friends who, who would, you know, say, oh, you got to listen to this. And, and, and I, I liked it, don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, but uh, unfortunately, they, yeah, they didn't make my top ten. But uh, but that's, I agree that that's definitely the best album for that, that. You know what I hate, always hated? When there was a guy in the band that had short hair. Like three guys would have long hair and then one guy would have short. This is when I was a kid, you know what I mean? Uh, it just I know it's super, very superficial, but that would, the, that would be the thing that would always drive me crazy. Like one guy, that one guy, well, how, why? <laughs> was it consistent? Yeah, I agree. You know, you got you to gotta get it right. You know, I, <laughs> I, was, I never thought, you know, what, you, why did Alec John such have, you know, I'm Joey, why did he have short hair? Yeah, you know, what the hell's going on? Grow your hair. You're in a rock band. You know what I mean? So, Agreed. yeah, I, I was the same. It was it was very much when I was a kid. Initially, you know, what would initially interest me in the band was how they looked yep. first of all, and then and then it would be you know sometimes you get lucky and and they they be an amazing you know they have amazing songs. Other times, you know, I buy albums and and they, they looked amazing and they. Their albums aren't that great, you know. And and uh, but yeah, the image thing was a, a, a really big thing for me when I was a kid. And uh, especially if they kind of, which which you know is hilarious now because you know we kind of getting on a little bit now. But like you know, if any band kind of almost like 
even, even like, you know, David Coverdale in 87, I mean, he must have probably been, realistically, probably be in his, like, mid-30s mid or something, I don't right. know, but to me, he looked really old, you know, yeah. and it was only because I thought the music was great that I kind of gave him a chance, because otherwise I'd have been like, well, that guy's too old, you shouldn't be, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> He's too old to be rock and roll. So, uh... <laughs> Exactly, right, right. So, uh, yeah, and here I am, uh, how many years later, still doing this, yeah. <laughs> right, I know, right? <laughs> We're hypocrites. <laughs> What's your two? Yeah, yeah. For two, man. I'm dying right. to hear your one and two. What do you got? Right, uh, number two, I've got Kiss, Crazy Night. There we go, there uh, it is. This, this is... <laughs> this is a tough one because I was like, I'm not sure whether this is going to make number one, but no, it's, it's coming on number two. I mean, what you know? What can I say about this? We, you know, we we talked at length about this album on, on the last time I was on the show, and uh, yeah, I just, I mean, it was my introduction to Kiss. I, I just loved everything about this album. Um, I, I totally get why it's one of those albums that a lot of Kiss fans don't like. Um, but to me, I, I just looked at it. I thought, you know, obviously, yes, it was Kiss trying to be Bon Jovi, and it was Kiss kind of following a trend rather than leading it and, and selling out a little bit, uh, you know, the keyboards and everything. But I, I always love bands with keyboard players, and uh, I, I love the keys on this album. I do think it, it does sound really dated, um, but I love how dated it sounds. You know, I, I, Ron Nevison is probably my, like, my alongside Bo Hill is probably, like my favorite producer and uh i just love this album uh you know i'll fight i'll fight hell to hold you like i said turn on the night's an amazing song reason to live i mean that song how that song wasn't like a massive yeah. hit i'll never know you know i've often said you know you give if you to give reason to live to like a band like heart yep. you know they'd have had a number one single you know yep. i think it was just because it was kiss that it wasn't you know but having said that, you know, I mean, it was a big hit over here. We, they had a number four single with Crazy Crazy Nights. And uh, I think I'm right in saying that the actual album went, was like a top ten. I think it was number four on the album chart. So it was Kiss's biggest album in the UK. So, um, and uh, like I say, even the Gene stuff, you know, he took Sonic Thief in the Nights, great. You know, um, there's some good Gene stuff on this album. So, uh, so yeah, this was a tough one because this, this was kind of neck and neck as to whether it was going to make number one. But uh, yeah, it comes in at number two for me, Mike. Okay, so my so, number, uh, my number so, two is going to probably surprise you and maybe some others. But um, I really liked this album a lot back in the day and I probably like it even more now. is uh tnt tell no tales i'm a big tnt fan uh ronnie letecro i i love the kind of melodic queen type guitar playing that he does i love tony harnell's voice i love the the big choruses the sing-along choruses that they have i mean you know ten thousand lovers in one as far as the eye can see listen to your heart and even the ballads on here i didn't care for them as much when i was younger but when i go back and listen to them now like northern lights and child's play it's just it's just great stuff, and uh, I don't know if you ever got into TNT or not, but that's they're up there with one of my you know there's some of my favorites for sure. I, I love these guys, and uh, this album is amazing. This and Intuition are just amazing albums. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, actually, this this would have probably come in at like number eleven or number yeah. twelve for me. Uh, I was my favorite. I, I love this album. Um, I I probably prefer uh, in, Intuition, which I think came out. In uh, was it eighty nine? Yep. I think. Yep. With uh, t tonight, tonight I'm falling. Oh, yeah. Caught between the tigers and all that. Great. They, they, they were kind of they were kind of like a, a really unique sounding band as well, weren't they? They, yes. they? they were like you said, they had a lot of Queen influences, but they kind of nobody sounded like them at all. Yeah. They they were such an original sounding band, and you know Tony Harnell's voice and. Um, yeah, I, I I thought they were a great band. Yeah, absolutely great band. And uh, yeah, like I said, if we if we maybe done like a top fifteen, this album would have probably come in at like eleven or twelve for me. So yeah, I agree, man. Well, I think I know what your number one is. So why didn't you tell me? <laughs> is it an animal? Overcoming incredible odds, Def Leppard released Hysteria. Fans did not forget them during their four-year absence, and the album released... Is it an yeah. animal? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you, you've, uh, yeah, pretty obvious, but Death Lap and Hysteria. Um, uh, they, I mean, what what other album could it be? Um, I mean, just an incredible album from, from start to finish. Um, 
Yeah, again, you know, it was one of those albums, I suppose, when it, when it came out, you know, it divided a lot of people that, you know, the, the, the more kind of hardcore Death Leopard fans who, you know, were more into the kind of the high and dry, more kind of ACDC kind of sound, which I love the early albums as well, but I mean, I mean, God, I think it was seven hit singles off his album, I think, if I'm, I remember rightly, and I just think it's just just a phenomenal sounding album. Um you know, obviously the, the big hits are amazing, but you know, I I, I like a lot of the, studio, the, the 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 kind of more kind of album tracks. You know, I, I love the song Run Riot. It's probably my favourite song off the album. Uh, Gods of War is another big favourite, and um, but then you look at you know you look at you know Love Bites. I mean, what a song, what a ballad that was, and then you've got Animal, which is to- a total AOR kind of mm-hmm. AOR heaven type song. Um, just everything about this album, I mean, it, it still holds up, and um, yeah, I, I'd say, especially like for my songwriting and stuff, and you know, what I do with Midnight City and stuff, I'd say the, the big sort of three influences on my songwriting, obviously, definitely Eight's Kiss, definitely Danger Danger, but a massive chunk of it is comes from, you know, this album and, you know, Hysteria and Pyromania. Um, they're just, you know, it, it's the best as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, yeah, cool. I, I can't sing this album's praises enough. So, <laughs> so what do you think? What do you think about that? Uh, I'm I've never been huge into Def Leppard. I had you know I, I bought their albums when I was a kid because I felt like I was just like a collector of of albums. You know, like that was a band you had to have their albums, but. Over time, they're, they're just a band that I just don't go to a, a lot, and I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because they're so overhyped, and you know, people you know love them so much, and then maybe that makes me take a step back. I really don't know, but I have tons of respect for this album. I mean, the production, the songs. It's. It, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be some kind of fool and say this is a terrible album. I know it's not. I mean, the, the the sales don't lie, but it's just something that doesn't really, you know it just doesn't really sound great to my ears or something I want to listen to all the time. So like I said, tons of respect wouldn't make my list just because it's just, you know, I'm just not wicked into them. And another one I'm glad to see that wasn't on your list. It's not on my list either is um, Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction. Because once again, that's not a bad album. It's just, I like this other kind of stuff better. I'm just going to be, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm the same with the the Guns N' Roses thing. I mean, I, you know, I bought the album back in the day and me too. You know, I like the album, but it, I, I just, I just don't think it's as great as everybody says no. it. You know, as everybody says that it is. You know, I think it's just, it's, a, it's a really great debut album. But you know, I think there's albums just as good that, and, and much better than that one. I yeah. think it's just so overly hyped. You know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. So what, what do you get to, as number one? Then? Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to hear. This is, right, because this is not was not on your list. A lot of people are going to be uh, uh, scratching their head on this one. But the ones who get it are going to be like, yes, I'm with you 100%. And it's Keel's self-titled album from 1987. Uh, that's my number one, man. And I don't know what it is about that album. Uh, I love Ron Keel's voice. Especially this album has, like, some of, you know, we talk about, like, Death Leopard having the big choruses. You know, Keel was trying to do some of that, too, with United Nations and uh, Somebody's Waiting. Songs like Cherry Lane, I Said the Wrong Thing to the Right Girl. I mean... I love all those songs. How this album and how this band did not get huge, you know, in, in 1987, I don't know. Maybe because, like, you know, Bon Jovi was still so big and, and uh, White Snake and some of these other guys were just, you know, overshadowing shadowing them. I know they were on MCA Records. Not too many bands fared very well that were on MCA Records. So that could be part of it. But, um,. Keel had all the right ingredients. They just never made it big. But there's just something, once again, and I'm not trying to put this at the top, you know, to be cool and, and you know, try to try to not, you know, avoid some of the big albums. I, I just love this album. I mean, I, I don't think a lot of their other albums even compare. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't put Final Frontier. I wouldn't even put this in the same ballpark as this album. But, yeah, this is my number one, man. I just think this is so cool. And, once again, it was something that I was really into when I was a kid and haven't straight from it still love it today so it takes number one. Oh wow yeah that was the kill was kind of a strange band for me because um again i didn't think they looked that cool <laughs> right, yeah i got you <laughs> so uh <laughs> i was kind of yeah i don't know whether i like this band or not and uh 
I know what's really funny is um, you know I've got a friend uh, a guy called Jules Millis who who used to sing for Tiger Tales before I took over. Oh yeah, yeah. And Keel is it, it, Keel is his favorite band, and he was constantly when he would be over in the UK, constantly trying to turn me on to Keel. And you, you know you've got to listen to these albums; these are incredible albums. Um, but yeah, maybe I need to do. It's funny actually. We um, at the beginning of uh, not last year, the year before. Um, uh, actually, no, it was last year. It was right before all the COVID thing hit. But we, we Midnight City went out to play a couple of shows in Australia, and uh, and he, he, uh, Ron Keel was there. He he was playing like right after us uh, on a festival. So uh, I was hanging out with Ron Keel for, for for quite a while in the dressing room, and we were, you know we were talking about you know you know he's talking about working with Gene Simmons and yep. you know and and Gene Simmons producing you know a couple of their albums whatever so uh, he was a great guy like a really nice guy so it actually did make me think right maybe i should go and listen to some keel albums so, go revisit. Uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna go do it yeah go revisit Sorry. that 1987 album produced by michael wagner there's a there's some monster songs that should have been hits on there yeah that, that's where i would go if i was you <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out, Mike. Definitely, yeah. What? So let's show. Give me a couple, and you don't have to even talk about the album. Just if you've got a couple ones that almost made it, just, yeah, just rattle them off, and and I'd be curious to see like who who maybe twelve and thirteen and fourteen and some of those other ones would have been for you. Who, who do you got? Uh, well, definitely uh, TNT. Definitely. Okay. Um, you know, Tell No Tales would definitely have been one of them. Um, another album that I absolutely loved as a little kid. Uh, which kind of doesn't really fall into the hair metal kind of bracket, but uh, is a debut Richard Marks album, Ooh, okay. which is, is kind of more, you know, more pop rock, more kind of a poppier guy. But I absolutely love that album. Really, really loved uh, the, the debut Richard Marks album. I really like the Wasp. Uh, the, I think that it was live in the rock. Oh, the, the that's on album. mine too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I usually don't count a live album on one of these, but yeah, if we were, if it was anything goes, that would that might have been my number one. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Technically, not you know a studio album, but I I, I loved you know as a kid, I absolutely loved Wasp. So uh, so they definitely be in there. Um, that that's kind of it. That's you know, Guns N' Roses definitely wouldn't have made a any any list for me really that was yeah. kind of like said a, a big overrated album for me but yeah i'd say those three uh how about you what what have you got well for like just straight up hair metal albums that probably were on the fence you know faster pussycats debut um great white once bitten yNT contagious and then i've got a lot that i kind of put in a category of like metal because i really have always liked heavy stuff too i mean i think alice cooper's raise your fist and yell is cool it's kind of a little bit more heavier for him uh i loved anthrax among the living that was an album i bought when it came out i'm huge into man of war fighting the world that that could have been number one if it was if it was anything goes um i love sabotage hall of the mountain king i mean that's probably most people consider is their best album i've got wasp live in the raw you know who was on my list but i cut them off because i felt like they just maybe were a little too heavy was um lizzie borden visual lies i love that album and i had it on this list and then eventually i was like you know what let's just go like the straight up let's not even make you know let's not confuse anything let's just go with the straight up you know hair metal hard rock type stuff and then dio dream evil that was another one i just wasn't sure where it fit in but i loved that album as a kid and still love it so I like I like a lot of heavy stuff, um, you know, heavier than you know some of the stuff that we had on the list. So I just I kept those off and just went with the straight hair model. But yeah, I mean, what a I mean, just with, with all the things we've mentioned, what a year! Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, we be, it's been uh, it'd be great talking about these albums. I mean, you know, we're gonna have to you have to get me on your show again. We're gonna have to do another year. Like, <laughs> but like I say, we if we pick nine if we pick nineteen eighty nine, we could technically be talking for about five hours so <laughs> maybe, maybe best not to pick that year i don't know but uh yeah some, we've talked about some good albums anyway that's for sure that's for sure man well hey it's always a pleasure talking with you and uh yeah we'll definitely do another one there's there's some, i've done a few other ones but i have not touched on like 85 and 86 and like i said i think there's some really solid stuff in those years too so who knows yeah that, that'd, that'd be great man yeah and just before i go i just got to tell, tell you guys about um you know, and you, you and your, your listeners about um, just what we've got coming up uh, next year, yeah. if I can. 
Um, so, so uh, Midnight City is back in action. Uh, we got a, another UK tour kicking off in in February. Uh, they only come out at night tour. Kicks off on February the 11th. But a couple of extra cool things that that, that, that we got coming up. Um, Each account scratch is coming out uh, on vinyl on March 4th, uh, and it's going to be um, red vinyl and silver vinyl, and it's going to be a gatefold sleeve. Um, there have been a few delays with this um, because you know we, with our label, but that that's a lot to do with all the COVID crap and. Mm. There's been a, a delay, a lot of delay in in uh, albums being pressed and stuff like that. But it's officially 100% coming out on March the fourth. Uh, and also, um, the last thing I'd, uh, I wouldn't mind t- telling you about is um, our first two CDs, the first two Midnight City albums, the the, the, the self-titled debut and Beggars and Neighborhood. We we actually don't have any physical copies left of, of, of either CD, and our old record label. Um, are out of stock as well and we have a lot of people coming up to us at shows and you know who've actually just discovered us on, on this album that are backtracking and, and, and nowadays they only you know if you want to get one of the first two CDs you're looking on eBay and they're like going for like a hundred quid and stuff like that so long story short um, we're reissuing um, both CDs because we got the rights back uh, from our old record label we're releasing both CDs um, in February uh, and each uh, each CD has two bonus tracks on, and uh, even better, we we recorded two brand new tracks. Um, so there's going to be one on each, um, and we're going to be shooting a video for one of them um, just after Christmas, and that's going to be coming out um, before our um, tour in February. So yeah, we got a tour in February. We got vinyl coming out. We reissues. We got a new video, and then we got a ton of shows. We got we, we're playing we're playing festivals out in Europe and France and Germany and Ibiza and we're going to be all over the place so uh, so yeah make sure you look out for the reissues and um, you know you'll be able to uh, order the reissues um, via our website and you know on Facebook and stuff like that and uh, and, and obviously the vinyl as well so uh, so yeah so a lot, lot, lots coming up for uh, the Midnight City that's for sure awesome man that sounds great and as all that comes together let me know I'll, I'll put it out on my page but yeah I wish you guys lots of luck in 2022 and uh, always a pleasure talking with you, man. Yeah, you too, Mike. Thanks for having me, dude. Well, that was great going through all those albums with Rob. Make sure you follow Midnight City on social media to keep up with all they've got going on this year. Rock on!